Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your host, Gaius and Jackson, episode 95. What's up, buddy? Oh, you're looking at it, my man. You know, to be honest, I got to just preface this episode by saying I'm like hella excited for all the new, like the stuff that we got to cover this week, especially trailer wise. Probably the most exciting trailer week that we've had since I've joined the podcast. I'm really excited to, to get down in the nitty gritty and and discuss what dropped this week. It was, although we have a lot to cover to explain why we won't have a whole lot of news That's coming up. Yeah. We still yeah. got, you know, blessed with a lot of good news items to, to discuss, you know, amidst the odd going writer strike. So, you know, what? looking forward to, to chatting today. Beyond that, I had a pretty light last couple of weeks of movie watching. So beyond that, I mean, got lots of Better Call Saul in, been breezing nice. through that show. Not a whole lot of watches, but yeah, what's new with you? What have you been watching? What's what's new in your life? Well, I want to I want to point out too. I love that you love the trailers that we're going to cover. I think two of them are loving to cover. I think I threw in one last one that you're like, oh okay. <laughs> so no, at least, I, like, oh, that's more excited for that one. A super pleasant surprise, I gotta say. Like the first time I'd seen it was after you threw that in there to cover, and I, I just got done watching it. And man, I gotta say, I'm actually I'm actually pretty hyped for that one. So it was three for three. Really pumped nice. to cover these trailers today. Yeah. Oh, by the way, too, Jackson is talking to us from a brand new computer right now. He like messaged That's me over the weekend right. that he, he was like, when we record on Monday, I will be recording from my freshly bought brand new computer. So he's 100%. extra fresh, extra fresh today. Extra fresh. Everything's looking and sounding great. And yeah, had to update the hardware. So yeah, nice. we're rocking with a, with a new Mac. Loving it. Nice. I, have, I was like on watches too. Like, you know what? I, I was so busy, like with hanging out with friends and stuff. I didn't get to see Guardians of the Galaxy, and like, uh, it was weird because I usually you know rush out to see almost every Marvel movie, like mm-hmm. usually on the Thursday. Like, here's what happened with this one: I got invited to a press screening the week before on a Friday, but it just didn't work out timing-wise. I couldn't do it. Right. So then I was like, "All right, let's try for Thursday." So because sometimes I go with my little brother on Thursday night when I get out of work. Mm-hmm. But then I looked at the runtime and it's two and a half hours. And when I get out of work, yeah, it's like hefty one. nine, nine thirty. And I was like, I don't want to come out of the theater that late. But oh, then I was God. like, all right, all right, let's shoot for Saturday. And then Saturday, my friends were like, oh, we're going to the beach. And I was like, all right, let's shoot for Sunday. And then, you know, more plans happened. And then I of just course. didn't get around to see it. So maybe I'm having my own Marvel fatigue that <laughs> I didn't like rush out to go see it, even though I've heard great things about it from most people mm-hmm. that they really enjoyed it. The box office is really interesting for it, you know. Came in lower, much lower than what I predicted. Okay. So that'll be interesting to discuss. But yeah, I kind of felt a little bad. That, I mean, I, I mean, I rushed out for Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. <laughs> I didn't rush out for this. But, you mm-hmm. know, I, I'm busy with friends and like didn't really oh, yeah. have time. To, like, you got a life outside of the theater, too. That's totally understandable. Don't be too hard on yourself. But you think you'll still end up going to see it in theaters or what? Yeah, I definitely will. I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll make some time this week to go see it because I've had heard great things. And I actually do, I think, of all the standalone marvel properties i think guardians is probably one of the best 100 percent, i'm with you there and the group so yeah i will check it out i just kind of felt bad because i was like you know what i should you know monday podcast episode i should be like yo i saw guardians of the gathering volume three this is how great it was this is what i liked this is what i didn't like and no i don't have that for you guys today just (laughs) because i just didn't have time to see it and you didn't see it either i mean like that's right but you're not like a huge like marvel person where you're like oh i need to go see that right now that's right exactly um but so no surprise did, really there. <laughs> yeah, I did fit in. I've been still been watching Gotham on my free time over the weekend. Nice, catching up to that. Yeah, I'm almost out of season one. I'm just like, I can't wait to get into season two because that's when things get really good. Right. Uh, and then I also, <laughs> I watched a few episodes of Welcome to the OC Bitches, like podcasts, but they have it on YouTube as well. 
Because okay. I was like, because I was like, you know, we're gonna do a 20th anniversary episode in August for this. So like, kind of like want to see what they're talking about. And it's interesting how they have Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark who are stars in the show, and they bring in like different guests that were like a part of the show, whether it be like a guest star, other cast That's members. Cool costume designers, people who were in charge of music, writers, the creator's been on there several times. Uh, and it's just interesting because like Rachel Bilson, even though she played Summer for all, all four seasons of that show, and she's only like, what, 42? I think we talked about that the last time right. we brought her up. Doesn't remember a lick of filming that show. She'll, she'll be like, mm-hmm. I was watching, I was watching the episode and I was like, I don't even remember what happens. And like, when, like, I was like, what? You, and it's crazy. Like, I was like, <laughs> That's how do you the first film I've heard of that. Yeah, how do you film something that long and be like, like there was like one big plot point that she didn't remember and i was dying laughing because melinda clark was like how do you not remember this is like a huge you were in this you were in the scene <laughs> like how do you not remember that's so like, strange i've never heard of this phenomenon like i obviously not having like been in any like like productions before i i wouldn't expect how that would go like i've rewatched things many times and have forgotten big parts but you'd think being in something that you would remember yeah, how it unfolds I, I would. I feel like if I was if I was an actor, I would remember most of like, especially like yeah. if it was triggered by rewatching it, right? So you're really like, oh, like oh, I can kind of recall yeah, being where this on is that. going. Yeah, I can recall yeah. being on that set or on this location, like you know, even if you don't remember every single detail, like. But it's just funny. That like, there's is been, crazy. There, there's been several episodes I watched where she's like, did not remember this happened. Huh? <laughs> so so yeah. it's like so it's like she's basically has been rewatching it much like a fan would rewatch it where she's like almost like a new viewer, even though she started the show and was a part of it. What an interesting little, uh, <laughs> little experience that must be. I always think it'd be so cool to watch something that you've starred in. I know there's like some, especially like hear a lot of like the method actors, people that take their careers very, very seriously. Some of them don't watch their stuff. I think Joaquin Phoenix is in that pool where he doesn't watch yeah, a lot his, of actors uh, his watch movies. Themselves, yeah. Right. I can get maybe if you're like super critical of your performance and your work, I can understand that. But I think it would be so cool, especially to be there at the premiere would definitely be nerve wracking. But I've always thought like that would be cool to experience, like watching your own work on the screen with other people. I think that would be really fascinating. Yeah, I think so, too. And what's interesting, too, like some actors, like you said, will walk the red carpet at a premiere and then skip the screening and then go like to the after party thing or something after that, because Mm -hmm. a lot of actors really don't like watching themselves it's uncomfortable and i can like, understand I can say, that yeah. i can say like kind of get nitpicky oh i wish i would have made this choice differently or done this or done that like so totally. i get it but yeah a lot of big actors that you know you love their movies and you find out that like either they haven't watched it in a very long time or they've never seen it but they right. i mean their experience was just making it and they enjoyed making it and they know that it was good based on like you know the script they had or you know the time they had making it with the director or whatever but right. like a lot of them haven't seen like the finished product and that, that's crazy to me i would at least want to see it once i mean I, maybe even if i was like oh even privately about, like, by yourself yeah yeah even if yeah yeah like you said even if you don't want to watch it with a big crowd like at a premiere or something like that like if you want to watch it alone i mean i'm sure you can get your that's own fine. screener of, the, of your movie <laughs> <laughs> yep. so but yeah that uh, yeah i think i find that interesting so yeah yeah the racial bills stuff was hilarious to me and then other than that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yesterday i hung out with Owen for the first part of the day and we were just going through Netflix trying to figure out what to watch and the comedy The Dilemma was like number three or number four on Netflix top 10 oh, okay. for some reason it's from 2011 with Vince Vaughn and Kevin James Jennifer Connelly's in it Renona Ryder Shannon Tatum I like I remember this movie vaguely it's quite the cast like, yeah me too I yeah. never saw it but 
I've seen the thumbnail many times on Netflix. It was like, oh, what's that all about? And huh. then, like Queen, Latif- Queen Latifah's in it randomly. Any good? Did you guys watch it? thought we did watch it and I thought it was like surprisingly like not bad. Like I didn't know what I was expecting okay. from it. There is a little right. bit more like drama and it is a comedy, but there is also some light drama in it. And when I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, I was like, I wonder what this has on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, it has a mm. 24% on Rotten Tomatoes. And a tw- and a twenty nine percent audience score, so like a lot of people didn't like it, but like uh, the, I guess okay. the critics complained that it didn't really mesh like the, some of the comedy bits with some of the like more, more dramatic, dramatic bits. Yeah. But I actually thought it handled itself well. I mean, yes, granted, feel a little like past its prime Vince Vaughn kind of movie. It's not quite like Wedding Crashers level or anything. Mm, um, no, yeah. but 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 Vince Vaughn is just always a reliable comedic presence, and he's just. Vince Vaughn just talking is funny because like I feel like he's right. I feel like he's just himself. Like he knows how to like deliver like really rapid fire dialogue. And there's a lot of that in this movie. There's one there was one scene in particular that Owen and I were like dying at because like it was just classic Vince Vaughn. And then Shane Tatum, like his role at first, I was like, why is he in this? And then towards <laughs> the end, he had more to do, and it was kind of like a funny little extended kind of cameo almost. That was really okay. fun. And I know this was 2011, but Jennifer Connelly, we were mentioning this because I thought this when I saw Top Gun Maverick. I feel like she stopped aging in like the early 2000s. Like I, she looks great and hasn't totally. aged at all since like A Beautiful Mind. Like she just stopped, <laughs> and she looks great. She looked great in that movie, and I was like, well, that was 2011. And I was like, no, then Top Gun Maverick, you know, that was that last year. We you know I know it was filmed earlier than that, yep. but like she still looks great, and good for her. Yeah, I just want to give a special shout out to Jennifer Connelly and her ageless beauty. Ages like a fine one. Yeah, ages is a She is she's beautiful and timeless. And yeah. I want, yeah, whatever she's got, I want. Yeah, <laughs> her exactly. and Tom both, honestly. That's funny that they star in the same movie because they both are on the secret sauce, the ageless yeah. sauce, whatever yeah. it is. For sure. Like I that's what I kept thinking that. And also, I know she has an Oscar. Owen made a comment too, and I agreed with him she convincingly made you believe that she was in love with Vince Vaughn. Like they're like, there would be like a look she would give him or like when they were in scenes together, it wasn't like, it didn't feel forced. Like you like, I mean, of course on his end, of course it's Vince Vaughn. Like, and it's her, but like, you're looking at her, looking at him, like you bought it. You bought that she like was into him. A great actress. Yeah. 100%. I mean, I mean, she does have an Oscar under her belt. So, you know, probably not too hard. It's not for Requiem, is it? No, oh, I wish so. No, uh, for uh, <laughs> Beautiful Mind. So, oh, like, she went for oh, that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which I actually watched, like, again, like, less than a year ago. You'd think I'd remember that she'd won yeah, it for that. And she is great in it. It's been I'm, so long since I watched that movie, man. So, it, honestly, it holds up awesomely. It's It was an awesome watch. I know I just said awesome, like, four times in one second. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so guilty for using that. I'm going to keep a tally, running tally. <laughs> Take a shot every time Jackson says awesome, and you'll be wasted. Yeah. When they cut your sizzle roll, I was like, find out many times he says awesome and just put it into his, into his sizzle roll. <laughs> it's, 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 I guess, clearly a favorite adjective of mine, but I'm going to work on my vocabulary here. That being said, though, the movie is amazing and held up really well on rewatch. She is great in it. Russell Crowe was awesome in it. Ed Harris, fantastic supporting role. And blanking up Josh, what is his name? You know who I mean? From Ford versus Ferrari. Josh. Oh, I, 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 you know what I mean? He's, he does the voice of the Home Depot commercials. I know. Do you have Wait, those mistakes? Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, oh, we have a lot of them actually. Yeah, let me. Okay, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. Um, Oddly enough, this is a good callback because we were talking about Beautiful Mind. I forgot to mention the dilemma, also directed by Ron Howard, who also directed The Beautiful Mind. Uh, with his name, oh, with his no name, way. with his name, 
popped up. I was like, a little random Ron Howard movie to direct. I had no idea that was Ron Howard at all. I think we're thinking of Josh Lucas. Who you are totally right, Josh yes. Lucas. We got Josh. He's Lucas. a great little actor too. And he's got a For the win. good part in that movie too. Yeah. And he, he's a great voice. Like I remember it. He he's been, I think, the voice of like the the Home Depot commercials for like at least years now, multiple years. And I it wasn't until f- after I got a rewatch of Ford v Ferrari in last year that I was like, and then I heard of Home Depot Home Depot commercial a few months later. I was like, I know this voice. That's Josh Lucas. What the hell? So yeah, we will share to him. Probably gets awesome. like a nice little penny to do that too. Just a little, like sure simple simple voiceover work for commercials. Like yeah, in between he's got the voice work. <laughs> nice yeah. for him. But yeah, yeah I was talking. That's a great movie. I was talking with you before we got on that there's not like a ton to cover, which we can have a little bit more fun with this episode. It's a little bit more loose and not mm-hmm. as uh, strict as like the last few where we've like had a ton of stuff. Right. But the main reason, main nice. reason that we haven't had a lot to cover is because of the ongoing writer's strike. Yes. Which, which we kind of pulled, we pivoted a little bit with the deep dive because we put, we talked about the writer's strike with Owen. I did ahead of, talking about insomnia and the only reason okay. we did that was because uh you know we mentioned the writer's strike the previous week and they didn't make a decision about the overall strike until after we had recorded our episode last week That's so right. i just wanted to i put it ahead of the insomnia stuff the deep dive just so like we were on understandable top bringing it up but yeah i mean it's no one's budging so far uh and I, you know, I think you know a little bit about it. Just you know, the overall, you know, what's going the on, gist. what what the writers right. want, what the writers want. Uh, f- frankly, what they deserve at you know at this point. Um, and you know what? This is one of the things I thought about. The they keep saying that they offered the writers a reasonable package with significant raises and blah 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 blah. Right. Hmm. And I, I was just thinking, what I want to know what was in that package that they thought was reasonable that the writers were like, no. It's not <laughs> like that's not going to work for us if either. Specifics weren't mentioned. I'm I'm thinking that's probably for a reason. That's inter- yeah. that's always interesting when you hear that a deal was proposed, but you don't actually hear the specifics. It's something something maybe they didn't think it was uh, as nice as it they thought it sounded. But uh, as far as figures, I'm a little bit in the dark. I know that something of like 98% of like writers in Hollywood make the minimum compensation rate for their work, and that's been the case for a long time, and they're looking to have that upped. But yeah. uh, as far as what's been proposed, what they're even asking for, I'm a little bit in the dark there. But what can you tell us about that? Um, so the big thing that is a huge issue is that they feel like they're almost working as if it's like a gig economy where they're like almost like if you're a staff writer on the show and you're writing consistently for a TV show week after mm-hmm. week after week, you should be paid as if you're on staff, not like, you know, here's per script kind of thing. And it's very okay. low kind of amount to begin with. And then the issue of residuals and compensation from that comes into play, which is different from the syndication era, because now we're in the streaming era. era. And I, t- I brought this up with Owen, because one of the things they, they say is like, well, this is a brand new business model, and we can't quite gauge like, you know, the level of success and what we can pay out because of like streaming success, right? Mm-hmm. Which I kind of call bullshit on because I, and I agree hmm. with what the what the writers say. The writers are like, you guys pump out billions of dollars with the content all the time. Mm-hmm. We see what revenue you're bringing in. Uh, so it's not a brand new business model <laughs> that you can't gauge the success on. You can, because we see it. That's right. And that is what they want to be treated fairly on. Like they want, you know, as far as like their shows that they've written that are constantly being streamed on 
Netflix, Apple TV, HBO Max, any of those, right. you know, they want, they want a piece of that money. Cause it's like, you know, we, I wrote it, I created it. It's being watched by millions and millions of people. You brag about how well some of these shows are doing and I'm, we're not getting a piece of that. And really the, the script, the writing is the very first thing that's ever done on a project. It's the foundation, the skeleton, if you will, of any work. So it blows my mind that writers have found themselves in this situation. You'd think that they would be overvalued rather than undervalued, but I guess this is not how reality is, but strange yeah. to me that that's how it works. Yeah, it's strange to me too. And what's crazy is, you know, some people were like, how bad is it as far as like, why, why does everything have to stop production? Because if you agree, I mean, you're part of the guild and you agree to strike, it's pencils down like right away. You right. can't even be on set because if you're on set, there's Whoa. the illusion. There's the illusion as a writer, if you're on set, that you might, if someone needs a rewrite, you might be tempted to do that. There's a lot of like, there's a whole, and there's also like the solidarity of like, no, we're not going to be there to help move a production forward if you don't want to pay us right. fairly. And that makes sense. So if you're wondering why things are completely shut down, that's why. Because like showrunners can't be on set. Some shows are bravely going ahead without showrunners or writers on set. So for instance, when I tagged you in that post about the Game of Thrones, like House of Dragon, mm -hmm. yes. still, move, still moving forward with season two. Yes, the scripts are done. So technically they can film. But yes. let's just say while they're filming it, they're like, well, this doesn't quite work. They can't go in and rewrite it. Like right. they're going to have to go Until the strike with, is over. Until the strike is over. So they're just going to have to go with like what they have. The same thing is going on with the Lord of the Rings show, which scripts are done but their showrunners and writers aren't going to be on set. And since that is such an expensive endeavor, I actually think both, both shows are, but Lord of the Rings that we, we know is a real expensive endeavor. Yeah, billion dollar tagline, yeah. I don't know if I would want to risk it without having a showrunner or writers on set to be like, hey, like, this isn't working. We need to fix this and change this. Doesn't seem worth it to, like, risk that, you know, well, our, I mean, it already had, especially that show already had a questionable first season that some people didn't necessarily love. I'd say most people, yeah, I'd say it didn't even seem like the writers were in tune with that show to begin with. So, I, from my perspective, it doesn't seem like much will even change going forward in that show because they didn't have a whole lot to to pick from in the first place. So, I'd be curious to see how that affects season two of that show if it'll be better received or kind of just around the same. But yeah. uh, I can't do any worse than I don't think in season one, especially on a project with the tag or a price tag that large. You'd think that it would be much more successful than it was. Dude, Amazon has two very expensive shows. I haven't watched Citadel because they got awful reviews, but it's a very <laughs> expensive show because it costs like $300 million. What are make. they doing wrong? What are they doing that to themselves? I don't know. Well, in Citadel's defense, they did renew it early for season two. And I think a lot of people did watch it. It has huge international potential, but at a certain point, it's like, if you're spending $300 million on a product that Gosh. is creatively kind of flawed and nothing against Priyanka Chopra Jonas, she's lovely and Richard Madden. I know a lot, a lot of people love Richard Madden. Game of Thrones. Richard Madden yes. um, they, I've always said this about her too. I think that she is a pretty good actress, but she hasn't found like the right project yet. I mean. I think, I think it's great that she came over from India and she was like a big Bollywood actress over there. Okay. And, then she, and she didn't really like how that system was working, which is why she came here to, to act okay. here. And then she got a big show. Well, it was kind of big. Actually, let me dial that back. She got a show called Quantico on ABC <laughs> when, she, when she first got here. I was not know if she was in that. Okay. It was popular in the beginning, but then the ratings kind of slid once they like moved it around to different days and stuff. But she was 
well received on that show though. But you know, okay. since the, since then she was in Baywatch, that Baywatch movie with Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron. Oof. And she's just in this movie called Love Again that came out over the weekend that bombed has like a lot of Celine Dion songs in it. And I guess Celine Dion has a I guess she's like I guess she's like a muse of some sort in this movie. Correct me if I'm wrong, anyone listening. I didn't really look into it too much. I know she has a cameo in the movie, but like, oh, yeah, okay. she's, one, she's one of those people. I'm like, hey, like, I you deserve a better project. And I'm not, and I guess like for her, because I saw her in a talk show today, you know, she liked Citadel because, you know, it was a female spy lead and she was a co lead with of equal measure with him. And she wasn't like the tech girl or like someone like that. She was, you know, she's right. on the same level as him. So I see that appeal as an actress if you like, you know, I get to kind of be in the big leagues along with this other guy who's my co-lead and also to her credit uh i think because jennifer sulky runs amazon and is a woman they actually worked it out with her and richard madden are getting say getting paid the same amount of money to be on that show awesome so that Good. you know very unheard of you know a lot of times in Hollywood. and also this show is doing something that a lot of shows haven't done it has like all these like kind of spinoffs that are like ones in india ones in italy that running separately but they are connected somehow so i get the appeal mm. like on paper but i read so many reviews i actually collected a bunch of reviews for cbr to write a story about it because they were like oh it's getting like wrecked by critics so like it, oh no i mean but at the end of the day if, if it's being watched by a lot of people does it really matter but also when you spend 300 million dollars on their project do you want it to get wrecked well, by critics <laughs> I'm so surprised to hear you say because I didn't. I saw a couple of the trailers for Citadel, even like just at the theater. They were screened ahead of time. I think of when I was what did I see? Oh, I saw Sisu actually in theaters. I didn't mention okay. that earlier, but that was that was great. I'll get back to that later. But they showed the Citadel trailer there, and I mean, for all intents and purposes, it looked like it was a pretty decent, you know, spy action gotcha. thriller show. But it also looked like something that we've seen at least ten different times over the that years. That was my since first thought. Era. Yeah, my first Why is this my, my first thought, dollars. It, yeah, when I first saw what? the trailer for it, I was like, this looks like it's been done before. I mean, like didn't yeah, it look yeah. original in the slightest. And does it make you question? I mean, I know a lot of people brought this up because this comes from the Russo brothers. And the Russo brothers did a forgot about that. Did a bang up fucking job with the MCU. And then their like post MCU stuff is kind of questionable. Yes, I mean you get like why am I blanking on like the Chris and uh traction. Extraction. That was good. Yes, that's and a homer in my book. But they are only they, executive producers. Yeah, and then they did that movie Cherry with Tom Holland, and that was mm. that he was good in it. Right, uh, but it had, but it had, not so much though. Eh? It had some issues, and yeah, and then now this show. I mean, they're supposed to be like the go-to guys for like action. That's what and that's what Priyanka Chopra actually said today on her during her interview. And I don't know, man. It's just a lot of expensive razzle dazzle with I guess not enough quality to it. So did they direct Cherry or executive produce? They directed it. Or at least they one of them did. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, they, and I think they had a hand in the script too. Okay. Yeah. I think they, their problem is they need to be in the director's chair because well, they did a great job. I think they found a director in Sam Hargrave who did the Extraction movie. Extraction? Yeah. Extracted. Extraction. Extraction. And he's yeah. in the second one. They found a director in, in Sam Hargrave that they gel well. Clearly he can handle competent action at their direction in the executive producing role. But it seems like maybe for this one, this probably would have been a project that maybe if they had a little bit more hands-on on it would have been a lot better. But yeah, I just couldn't believe that you'd said that this was $300 million because it just didn't look like that new or original or like that it would need that sort of funding behind it. But maybe because of this whole international spinoff sort of thing, that would definitely inflate the budget. But can't say that uh, is looking like a win in Amazon 
Amazon's books, especially following Rings of Power's one billion dollar uh, kerfuffle that that was. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're they're a company that if they're not careful, their next few moves are really going to have to start re-strategizing what they're putting their money towards. Because pretty sure they had to sell Yellowstone to finance Rings of Power, if I'm not mistaken. Like there was, I can't see why else they would have gotten rid of one of their flagship wow, shows. That's, that, show. that's crazy. Uh, they got rid of that to Paramount, and I can't see wow. why else they would have done that if not to throw that money towards Rings of Power, which was a bad move, if you ask me and plenty of other people. Yeah. But that's um, interesting. So, I did not know that. Just note to self, for instance, Citadel, $300 million. If Citadel was in the middle yes. of the writer's strike and all their and all their scripts were finished, I would be like, yo, we're not moving forward without the showrunner or the writers on set, just in case. It's a $300 million like endeavor that we can't afford to screw up. 1,000%. So, that's a good example of that. And you know, I mentioned it on the last show with Owen, but you know, I, I can mention it with you too. Like what gets, what gets affected like right away, right mm -hmm. away it's late night TV. So like that's right. already in, already in reruns. Cause the first thing to go. Yeah. They're topical and they have to write, you know, daily weekly basis. Or daily so, basis yeah. so tonight's show starring Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel live, Colbert, the daily show real time with Bill Maher, all that already went dark Gone, right. Uh, TV shows. Now we're, the good news is that we're towards the end of the TV season. So all that is already wrapped, right? So the TV shows that you're currently watching are probably about to have their season finales or they already had their season finales on network TV. The downside is a lot of the writer's rooms for next season started in early May and now they're shut down. So they oh, can't write. Right. So if, if it goes on too long, like we said, the last strike 15 years ago was a hundred days. Mm -hmm. So if it goes on too long, then it pushes the fall TV season back because writers are not writing anything. So mm -hmm. basically the writer's room starts around early May. By the time actors come back from hiatus, there's a bunch of scripts ready to film around like late July, August. And then you have your fall TV season beginning sometime in September. But that can't happen if there's no scripts being written. <laughs> right. Uh, so no production being done, no filming, right. and then everything gets pushed. Right. And for my mother here, since she wants to know about her soaps, <laughs> so, soap operas are what we see on screen are about four to eight weeks depending on the show ahead of like where they're actually at okay so so you have a if you if you're if you're a soap fan you'll have a lot to look at for the next four to eight weeks unless they want to decide to maybe throw reruns in the mix to kind of hope that you know they don't have to burn off four to eight weeks worth of shows in hopes that maybe this ends earlier and they could still be like kind of on point with what they intend to film. Right. Um, but if it goes on longer than that, then that'll affect those shows too. And in terms of movies, most of the stuff that we have coming out summer wise, fall, that's this year fine. at least that's all. Yeah. Set. Right. Now there is questionable stuff towards the end of the year. If you're talking like December, if, okay. if there's a, let's say you had a press or you, let's say you have an early screening and you get feedback that like, oh, this scene doesn't work. That scene doesn't work. If, if it requires a rewrite, you won't be able to have it. Right. So you either, so you either go with what you have and release mm -hmm. it as scheduled, or maybe you push it back. And if we're talking like early 24 releases, if it goes on too long that are, that were in the middle production or have to like, you know, maybe they're just about finished, but they might require a rewrite. Those release dates could change too. If it goes on too long. Right. So we are potentially facing a big push of some of next year's movies that we're already seeing at least a few, right? Like uh, you'd mentioned Netflix's final season is on halt right now. With uh, uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. So that's, yeah, a, that's, a, that's a Netflix. Yeah. Stranger yeah, Things. Yes. That's a, that's a huge one. Right. Yeah. 
and they and they actually the Duffer Brothers, as they're called, I guess, uh, who created the show, who created the show, they actually put out a statement about that. It's not something that they want to do, but they want to. Of course, they they, they can't move forward with production because they want to stand in solidarity with writers, and it's not possible to get that out in a timely fashion without the writers being in there. So right. that's that's one that gets hit right away. Blade MCU Blade, which is already been delayed a few times, <laughs> uh, is now delayed again because. The we're in the middle strike. of a rewriting process, right? Re- yeah. yeah, so they can't do that. I'm actually looking up MCU. another MCU hit. Daredevil Born Again production was suspended after striking writers uh, picketed a Disney Plus series, so they shut down production as well. And I think I saw some other ones. Yes, Billions shut down production. Severance shut down production as well. There's another uh-huh. Game of Thrones okay. spinoff that was going to start production that, I guess, might have a writer's room that is shut down Cobra Kai, which is also going into its final season. Shut, okay. shut down. Avid Elementary shut down. Yeah, all these things have paused production. That's because, a, yeah, it's a lot. And, you know, if it goes on longer, you're going to hear uh, even more of these, which is unfortunate. And, so, and like, and it's affecting TV quicker because, you know, it's just the way the timing it is right now. Course. Like, you know, yeah. a lot of big movies are already like kind of in the can. So like, you know, we, we at least will have that, that content coming out but yeah yeah i mean i mentioned it on the show with owen too i mean this it shuts down the entire production this is everyone that works in that industry is out of work that's right costume designers you know places that you would go get your props from no one's going to get that kind of stuff right now you know grips aren't working right now either catering it affects it affects every yeah it affects every aspect of the production so there are a lot of people not working but I guess the good news is that SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, DGA, they are all in solidarity with the Writers Guild too. And I think that's a Perfect. big plus. That's a big plus. There are a lot of actors who have actually joined uh, some of the writers when they were picketing outside of Paramount and the Netflix offices and Sony Pictures, Warner Brothers. Uh, so there's that. I think that's a good sign that maybe like, hey, if these directors and actors that you also need to kind of be a part of these things is standing with them. Right. Maybe they'll move things along quicker. I mean, Owen Fingers kinda, crossed. Owen kind of convinced me while we were recording that he thinks it might last longer than 100 days. I hope <laughs> the more and the more we talk, the more I could see that being the case. Because it seems like they're like digging their feet and saying like, you know, like not wanting to give them exactly what they need. OK, I want I want him to be wrong, but I kind of see it happening. I'm thinking initially that more than likely they'll come to a compromise. I can't see them getting everything that they're they're asking for, or else you know that, that the precedent that and we might see strikes more common. Usually they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. At least I would expect. But I was going to ask you and follow up and see: is it too early to tell how long we think this might go on? Is it just really anybody's guess at this point? It's a little Anything too early to an answer. A little too early to tell right now. I mean, this is you know tomorrow. I guess it'll officially be a week. So we're entering week two right, right. now. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's too early to tell, but oh, I also also want to give more insight because I have the whole list of stuff that just in case people are interested in what isn't moving forward right now. So a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, the Hedge Knight, it's a Game of Thrones prequel series. Um, it closed oh, its writer room. It closed its writer room for the duration of the strike, says co-creator George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, something called Bunked filming on season seven has suspended amid the, amid the writer's strike. Evil is a Paramount Plus show. Production on season four shut down Friday, May 5th, amid all the picketing outside of Paramount. 
MTV Movie and TV Awards, which aired yesterday, uh, they pivoted to a pre-tape ceremony amid the writer's strike, and talent pulled out of the show in support of the movement. Drew Barrymore was also uh, slated to host it, but she dropped out as host in support of writers as well. And we already talked about Stranger Things. There's a show called Loot, production on season two of the Apple comedy series starring Maya Rudolph, paused due to the WJA pictures at the Bel Air location where they were filming. Hacks, which is a popular show on HBO Max with being smart. Season three also halted production for the same reasons. Uh, now, NBC's Night Court is currently in production on its second season. The sitcom is off this week, but was supposed to resume filming next week. And they said as a multi-camera multi comedy that it is impossible without writers, given the amount of tweaks done ahead of during taping. So the series is expected to go dark for the time being, because there's no way they can actually do a comedy series like that without having their mm. writers on set. And then right. and then Billions, Cobra Kai mentioned, uh, Yellow Jackets, another one that had their writer's room shut down as well, another popular Showtime show. And then we mentioned all the uh, late night mm. shows as well. So that's where we're at mm. as far as everything. And you're and I, if it goes on longer, we'll probably be talking about- I'm sure uh, we will. More of these that are also- Expect a lot more delays and, and projects being pushed back for sure the longer this goes on. So they're, hey, well, it'll keep us uh, busy news-wise, right? Yeah, so yeah, because we were talking because like, you know, I was, I even on G-Rolls, some people messaged me, they're like, it seems like there's like a, it's a slow news week, but there's like, even, you can't even negotiate new projects or new deals right now. Like you can't, like they can't, writers can't enter any negotiations whatsoever. So there's not, I mean, I, I heard that like a lot of these negotiations and like talks were even pausing even well ahead of the strike because they knew it was coming. So that's why if you're seeing, I mean, of course, on the websites that we all have to work for, you have to kind of just scrounge news, like, you know, and then there's features and stuff you can write to kind of compensate for the lack of big news. Right. So there's still stuff out there. It's just like, there's, you're not getting some of the typical, you know, so-and-so is starting in this and so-and-so is in talks for this. And, you know, because right now right. it can't be. Yeah. So that's unfortunate, but you know, we did get lucky though, just before all this, we did have a couple little news items being attached to things. And in particular, one sequel that we're going to get that was announced just before the strike began. And that was throwing this back to, to Vince Vaughn earlier. We ha can look forward to a dodgeball sequel. You know more about that than I do. So I'll let you take the reins on that one. So I love me some dodgeball. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> I have, but it's been a long time. I'm more than due for a rewatch, but yeah, I do all other comedies like 2000 is definitely among the better ones for sure. Yeah. I'm glad me. you said it was, it's been a long time because this movie came out in 2004. So it's been a long right. time and I'm not saying the movie was a hit when it came out. And to me, if you would have struck while that iron was hot, maybe a year or two after I would have been all about this, but it came out in 2004 right. and belated comedy sequels tend not to do that great. Or they're not really that yeah, good. I was Curious where you were going to think about this whole news. We hadn't talked about your thoughts about it, just that it was being greenlit. So yeah, I can't wait to hear what you, what do you think about so, yeah. all this? So like for everyone listening, it has been announced that Vince Vaughn will return to star in and likely produce a sequel to his hit 2004 comedy Dodgeball, scripted by Jordan Vandina. The project is in early development at 20th Century Studios. It's not clear if Rawson Marshall Thurber, who wrote and directed the original film, will return in any capacity. It's also unclear who will be joining Vaughn in the cast. The original film hmm. was stacked with talent, though, including Ben Stiller, Christine Taylor, Justin Long, Stephen Root, Joel David Moore, Chris Williams, Missy Pyle, Gary Cole, Jason Bateman, 
and uh and William Shepner as well as uh, the late Rip Torn was also in the movie. Hey, I get why you might want to make a sequel to it. The first one only had a twenty million dollar budget. It made one hundred sixty eight million dollars globally. It was. Right. It's also a huge like kind of pop culture comedy. Like a lot of people it still is. A lot yeah. of people still quote it. I mean, I, I'm sure you still hear people say, "Nobody makes me bleed my own blood." Like that. <laughs> yes. You can dodge a wrench. You can dodge a ball. It's a super popular like. Yes. I just think it's too late to do a sequel, but that's just that's just me. I find that's the case with most of these. Like, I guess like the umbrella term would be like legacy sequel. Yeah, now that's how they're probably getting away with this, right? They're like, oh, it's a legacy exactly. sequel. Exactly. <laughs> well, oh yeah, they're, they're hot right now. They're all everyone's doing them, but let's see how Dodgeball would hold up. I mean, yeah, we've seen other legacy comedy sequels crash and burn. No, I don't want this movie to do badly. I mean, this is still a long way away, but I definitely am. I usually fall on the same spot as you when it comes to these sequels like why are we why are we getting back into this especially ones that have like a concrete ending or that didn't never really called for a sequel in the first place yeah but hey maybe it'll put more people on a dodgeball i'm sure more people are going to be re-watching it in uh, anticipation so if, if you know, it brings more people on to the the original then that's all right in my books because that movie is genuinely hilarious yes yeah you know what? i just say look to these examples i would say look at zoolander 2. yeah that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking when i was saying that we've seen these crash and burn that was in my mind zoolander 2. Say look at anchorman 2. <laughs> i would say maybe look at the hangover 2 a little bit but then really look at the hangover 3. i'm in the minority <laughs> of that that i actually like all the hangover movies i don't know <laughs> yeah i know even Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's you know what I don't know what it is. Maybe I haven't like looked at them with a critical enough lens. I just go into them, enjoy a stupid comedy. But I've always liked the Hangover trilogy like thoroughly. <laughs> oh, this, this, is, this is going in your sizzle reel, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, whatever. What else? Neighbors two, Sorority Rising, Gosh. not as good as not as good as Neighbors. No. Now I'll I can name I can think of one example on top of my head that's good. Twenty two Jump Street's good. I mean that might be a little bit different. It's an action comedy. And it wasn't as much time in between the movies. Yeah, time too. between, right? Yeah. I, you know, awesome. I like when they're like, "Hey, we did a really good first one. Let's not touch it." All the girls from Bridesmaids have been asked so much about like, "Why haven't we had a sequel to that?" And yep. they are just like, "Hey, it was a good experience. We loved making. They loved making that movie together. It was it was well received. It made money, and it was funny, and people loved it. But it didn't like scream. Let's make another one. <laughs> so it's right. like, didn't Melissa like, McCarthy just?" say something yeah. like last week about saying that she'd want to do another one if it was yeah. she'd be down he said she'd be down because like she has forgot about that until he brought it up and I fair enough Kristen, Kristen Wiig and all them have been like yo yo it's it was great we had a good time doing it love those girls like they would do any other another project with them you know right. like uh this is a lesser example but I still think the movie is funny Heat with Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCarthy made a lot of money is that a, that a sequel no, no, it didn't. Oh, and like, oh, I'm, okay. I'm like, okay. You're probably you're like, I thought that's where you're going. I was like, what the hell? But okay, yeah. yeah. But made money was generally well received. Sandra Bullock and Melissa McCartney were great together. They had fun making it together. Sandra Bullock's right. like, I would do another movie with her in a heartbeat. But it's also not another one that screamed like, let's make another one. So I respect when they're like, hey, like we had this really good, fun first experience, and let's not beat it with the dead horse. I respect <laughs> that too because that is definitely an approach that is not as common as let's you know throw a little bit more money make another movie and see how well it does usually just for it to be like complete shit i like the strategy that uh, i don't know like evan goldburn goldberg and seth rogan's approach where they find the same group of guys and make a different movie together like that is always bulletproof and they have so many great movies together instead of making a sequel to pineapple express 
or this is the end or something like just make the same group of people and make another movie and if you liked this one you'll probably like this other one they're doing that is always a yeah i'm glad you brought i'm glad you brought up that that as examples because seth rogan is another one who is stuck to his guns about not making sequels to some of these movies a lot of people ask him about a sequel to super bad he's like hey it was great why would you do that yeah you know we lightning in the bottle i don't think we could like replicate that again and it didn't really like another one didn't scream let's make another one same thing with pineapple express you know this is the end he was like these were good one-offs they were funny yeah. and like we had fun working together. We're probably not going to have a era of James Franco and Seth Rogen working together again. That's no. a whole another story for another right. episode. Another day. <laughs> <laughs> but I respect that, and I and I'm sure like it has to be hard because I'm sure like some studio heads probably getting in touch with their people, being like, "Yo, have you thought about like making mm. a sequel to like Superbad or Pineapple Express?" Or must you know, be hard like, to turn down, especially when you're offered something for it. But my thing is, if you know that you really had this special thing. And people loved it and it was well received and you know it did what it needed to do. It's you know, some a lot of these movies we mentioned are part of like the pop culture lexicon now. Like they're they're forever remembered by, you know, people you either were, you know, around when they first opened or people who discover these movies later. Right. They you know, that's kind of what you want as a writer and someone that you're featured like or an actor being featured in some of these things. Like, you know, you you're part of the pulp culture zeitgeist, and that's awesome. And like right. They'll always be remembered in a positive light. Sometimes when there is an unnecessary sequel, your original film is also remembered along with an unnecessary sequel. <laughs> and it can add or more than likely detract to the legacy of what you've already created years before. That's just why it's just best to avoid these types of movies. So I, I yeah. definitely see where you're coming from with Dodgeball too. That hopefully it'll be on the positive side. But I mean, if, yeah. if I feel like I'm with you on this, like just not looking forward to that. Like why mess with perfection i agree and i'm glad you mentioned the legacy sequel thing because i can honestly see them in a meeting being like okay Hmm. let's not do a sequel but how do you feel about a legacy legacy (laughs) those are all the rage today and they'll just give an example yeah top gun maverick look at that scream yes (laughs) like yeah yeah they'll just are we really gonna replicate that with dodgeball i don't know i don't think so and like these like oh you're planning on having a legacy sequel episode down the line, which I thought was a great idea from you. But I think the reason some of these work, it's it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. Top Gun Maverick had, you know, a lot of people have been wanting a sequel to Top Gun for a very long time. It had, I think having the full support and dedication of Tom Cruise went a long way and making that work and making people excited for it. It felt like it wasn't unnecessary. It felt, you know, what they came up with felt like a genuine, continuation of that story that was believable and you bought it mm-hmm. uh with scream there was an opportunity to like expose that kind of like horror film to a brand new audience while also catering to people that grew up with it right and and they were smart and did a mix of like let's bring in new people let's bring in the people that fans love from the original movies and let's mesh that together. It's been a few years since Scream 4. Let's see what we can do. They had right. fresh fresh writers on this, like the guys who did Ready or Not. I mean, they were like really Scream fans. So like they wrote something that didn't feel unnecessary. And they were able to continue that another sequel right after that. That's that, right. That didn't feel unnecessary. So I, I think like they're... Actually improved it, it, upon the other one, if, if you I, ask me. I, I agree, yeah. I agree. And like, I think they're, yeah, it's not a one size fits all. So it... What yes. worked for Top Gun Maverick and what worked for Scream, and I know we have other legacy sequels we can discuss, what works for them is not going to always work for 
especially, I mean, I get nervous with comedy sequels, man. Cause like, like, I mean, we talked before, like comedy is, even though I love a good one, it's my least yes. favorite genre to watch. Well, the bar is always, I think the lowest, uh, with lowest. Those, you know what I mean? Right. Right. So uh, I, you know, I remember when I saw Zoolander too, and I was like, Oh wow. You know, oh. and you know, for a moment it does diminish like movie that came before. It's like, why, why would you like, you know, cause it's kind of lumped in there now. It's also so over- shameless. You know why right. they're making it. It's, it's- because of one thing, it's money, green, money, it's dollars. Money, There's you know, no yeah. other reason. And yeah. that, honestly, it's hard to get around for the most part, for most movies. Yeah. But yeah, I do like Vince Vaughn. Forever yeah. like Vince Vaughn. So. We'll see who gets added to that cast, I guess. That'll yeah. improve yeah. or yeah, it's, it's, impact. It's interesting, too, because, you know, for a while there, last year, there was a lot of talk about a Wedding Crasher sequel. I feel that same way about that. Like, we don't need one. It's been too long yeah. uh, since since the last one. That was also another lightning in a bottle comedy that people still talk about today. Right. Very quotable and very like you know uh, people love it. And mm-hmm. I, when I when I heard those murmurs, I was like, oh, don't do mm-hmm. it. Like it's fine the way it is. But yeah, we'll see how it goes. It's in early development, so you know. Yeah. Hopefully, I mean, I, I hope for the best. But like, hopefully, it, it stays in early development or yeah, development hell. It came out in two thousand four. I don't know how you think in like twenty twenty three. You're like, you know what? That movie needs a sequel. Like totally. You know, just a little throwback to something you said earlier, but great use of the word zeitgeist. That is a hard word to throw into a sentence on a good day. So oh, impressed okay. there. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I've never actually heard that word spoken, I don't think, before. I've just ever read it. So that, that was <laughs> impressive. I've been, waiting, I've been waiting for my moment to throw it in. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Jumping ahead now, I was thinking <laughs> we could do this, uh, introduce a new segment here before we get into trailers. But for those of you who are on TikTok who might be familiar with duo the breadbasket who are known for their drafts i was kind of inspired to maybe pitch a draft of our own and uh, today's topic let gayest pick and we were going to draft the two of us a little team of horror icons a sort of a snake draft where you'll pick one and i'll pick the next and we can't have the same people on our team and we'll see by the end what our what our little team looks like and this could be something maybe we do in the future based on its reception but i I honestly i love your topic because horror icons is one that there's plenty of examples of and uh, it's interesting to, to see who can curate i guess the better list if you will see what it's stacked up against the other persons right. but uh i'm excited to check to try this out because i always love that content from those boys on tiktok because you just will draft the most random sort of topic and then like yeah each take a pick of something so i thought incorporate this into movies with what we do i thought would be super entertaining and at least fun to fun to do so yeah, yeah with, with, with that being said there's really no holds no holds bars whatever you want ever uh an established horror icon, I'll let you have the honors of doing the first pick. Okay. Um, and before we start this too, I yes. would like to say it's the second segment that Axon has come up with. And I do want to mention this, but I haven't mentioned it to you. Someone did send me a message on G-Rolls that we should do that movie tagline. The tagline? Uh, I was thinking about tag- that. Tagline game again. Did it once and to do it again. So like- We can bring uh, that back for sure. We can throw that one back too. This is another good one as well though. You also told me to have some backups, and I'm hoping. Yeah, that's right. Because we don't want to have uh, the same person on the team, right? So, like, my squad could be strong, and it just depends on. <laughs> that's right. Who you're calling in first? I know who I'm going for first, but I don't know who you're going for first, so I'm interested to see. All right, just because I can't let you take him from me. <laughs> right. I got. I got to throw my boy Michael Myers into the mix. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, I mean, I, I have to go with Halloween, man. He's right away. First on my list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I couldn't be surprised with him being taken. He is definitely the one of the strongest players in that team. So, you know, good for you. Could have seen yeah. that one coming. And of course, you got to follow up that pick with, with my boy, Jason Voorhees. If there's a counterpart to Michael Myers, it's got to be, it's got to be Jason. So 
Well, he was on mine too, so I'm gonna yeah. scratch him on off. <laughs> Not too bad. So I can't have Jason, then I will raise you a Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Great, you know what? A fantastic pick. Honestly, I don't know. I kind of came out with my list quite quickly and I didn't have him on there, but fantastic pick. Nice. Um, and honestly, like, I think I like him better than Jason. Squat, kind of squat, like, stole squat, him. Squad's <laughs> looking, looking pretty strong already. Absolutely. <laughs> Switching a little bit of direction, going a little bit sci-fi here, but I got to throw in one of my favorite horror icons is definitely the Predator. So I got to have him on there. That's, I didn't have that. That's actually cool. Well, thank you, you very much. You know, funny. I was trying to figure when I was doing this, I was like, how do I... Oh, wait, no, what? I'm not gonna, I'm gonna use, I'll tell you after the game's over. Cause I was, okay. like, gonna, I was like, how can I use this person? But then I, now I just realized how I could have, but I won't do it now because I didn't add them to the list. You know, just because we need some shit talking on our team, I'm gonna throw a little guy in there called Chucky. <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up because uh, that's a fantastic pick. Also one that's like kind of had a little bit of a resurgence in the last little year. We had a, yeah. both a show and a movie. Yeah, TV's yeah. been making him huge, actually, which is How's crazy. it been going for him, actually? I haven't really seen reception uh, to that. Well received by fans and critics, uh, and also highly viewed as well. So it's cool that he's having, like, it's it's funny because, like, that character had a little resurgence, like, in the straight-to-video like kind of market for the last few sequels. Oh, and definitely. Then, and then now on TV. So, yeah, if you're other or other horror icons, if you're worried that you can't make it on the big screen, maybe pivot to streaming or some kind of TV series, because it might yeah. work. I actually saw for the first time, uh, the first Child's Play. I think it might've been yes. last Halloween or maybe oh, before. Good. And oh, so I good. thoroughly loved it. I had never seen it even as a kid on TV, like growing up, maybe segments from the other ones. But yeah, the first Child's Play is a solid Dude, flick. There's really a scene that. in that movie great that still gets me. And, and like, of course we know throughout the whole movie, this thing has been like walking and talking, right? We already know that like something's up with the doll, right? Yeah. But, you know, yes. sometimes you're in the character's position where they don't know. So when the, after this little kid's been like, no, Chucky did it, Chucky did this. And the mom has like the box and then the batteries fall out. So now she's yeah. realized, oh, that's she realizes awesome. that, that this thing's been like talking and shit with no batteries in it, but maybe they're included. <laughs> might, they might be included. You never know. And then when she goes <laughs> to the doll and like flips the back and there's no batteries in it. And then his head does that like turn. He's just like, hi, I'm Chucky. Mm, want to play? Yeah. That scene's always <laughs> gets to me. Cause it's just like. You I'm feel like what she's feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm going to get it just because it's one of those things I've seen once. Like, you know, don't always retain everything. It's going to be another watch I get in around Halloween time, too, because I really did enjoy that. Yeah. Sticking with dolls, because I had Chucky, too, here. I'm going to draft him, but I'm going to get his counterpart with Annabelle. Oh, damn. That's good. I didn't have that either. No. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, if not Chucky, I'd go Annabelle. I think I might have went with Chucky if I had the chance again him first. But uh, now we both got dolls on there. It's interesting that they both get drafted, but. Annabelle, definitely more of a contemporary player, but and a little, I think, I don't know about you, even though I would have went with Chucky because he's more iconic, I think Annabelle has the creepiness factor to her. Yeah, it's true. She's a scary bitch. Yeah, she is a really yeah. scary bitch. And scary, right. she's, you know, based on a real thing, too. I don't, I don't yeah. like that, so. So, to three for three. follow your lead on recruiting some female power on this game, <laughs> and, you know, just in case we need a little, like, extra help with a little special powers even though she's a little troubled we're gonna add carrie to our lineup oh, that's <laughs> a great pick i did not i didn't 
He didn't make my my draft here, but I love that pick. That is He's fantastic. Like, the thing we got to Jean Grey, man. So we're just gonna yeah, have her. That's <laughs> we, it's such a funny comparison. We have an X Man on our team, just in case. That's right. <laughs> and we got a classic and contemporary example of her too. So that is awesome. Something that maybe some of the younger listeners at least know who she is, if not from Brian De Palma's original. Harry's great, and hey, Stephen King making the list here. That's yep. fantastic too. Yes. Gonna switch direct. We'll kind of keep it a little bit with the supernatural, but I got to go with my boy Pinhead, who's been one of my most oh, recent you favorite. Son of, <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> I have a feeling he must have been on your list, was he? He was. Yeah. He was. I think he's maybe a little bit more of a, a lesser known in terms of like the more popular horror icons, but his look alone makes him one of my favorite horror figures in all the movies. So Pinhead's he's up there, and just. The obscurity behind like what exactly he is and can do, I think, plays a lot into like his the, what makes him scary. But yeah, dude with uh, a bunch of nails in his face, yeah, doesn't get scarier than that. Intimidate. He comes straight from Hill. I mean, <laughs> yeah, quite literally. He's yeah, like yeah. Prince down there. Yeah. Um, All right, last pick. Last ones. All right, since we need someone that can probably be good at playing some mind games, we're gonna throw in our boy Jigsaw. Ah, I got him on here too. That's. He was my third like doll pick if I wasn't sure where to go. <laughs> that is Boom. a fantastic one too. Um, and uh, there's somebody that I want to pick here that is I think I've said before I'm no stranger to my praise for this this character if you will or characters. I don't think I'm going to go with the Xenomorph. I would have loved to have it on this list, but I'm going to go with my boy Bruce from Jaws. Nice, I like that. Switch it up a little bit. So yeah, I like that. I like that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I feel bad not having the Xenomorphs on there considering how much I love them, but I think. Yeah, just some of my other guys are a little bit more recognizable. But that was fun. It was so, fun. I liked it. There are some people that I mentioned that were on the bench that didn't quite mention. Uh, yeah. I thought about Ghostface, but I was like, that could be anyone, though. I mean, it's not really like one, spe- one specific, unless I want to be real specific. Like, oh, I want Jill. That, that Ghostface. Yeah. <laughs> or Stu. Fair or enough. Stu. Yeah. Face would have been nice, though. And then the one I was thinking of, I guess I could have, I was like, how do I throw in the devil from the exorcist? And I was like, well, I guess I could just say Reagan. But like it's not or really yeah. I get what you're saying. That would have yeah. been super. The exorcist crossed my mind. I didn't ultimately write it down, but like it's hard to beat, hard to beat that one. That interpretation of possession is definitely one of the better ones in horror. Absolutely. I mean, the grandfather really of possession movies. Yeah, and I almost had, I almost had Leatherface in there too, but I was like, that's he's a little too like. <laughs> that that would have been a fantastic pick too. I'm honestly kind of I like Leatherface more than Jason. I, I kind of wish I liked that. <laughs> like how you you drafted Jason. You're like, oh. I... <laughs> I mean, he's Not got quite. he's got the star power. Don't get me wrong; he'll be a franchise player. And sure. you know, yeah, brute strength on top of that. He's also incredibly popular with fans. Fan, I mean, I think people like Jason yeah. more than they like the would be victims in those movies. So totally, there's that. Oddly enough, the only person I wrote down on my little list on the team here that didn't get drafted was Dracula, who I think is definitely one oh. of more. Yeah, I think that wasn't a good pick, but he's really? on the bench. Maybe next time around. That was fun. I like that. Yeah, that was a cool, cool little segment. I'll have to see. Uh... I'm actually proud of my little squad too. <laughs> you got a great little squad. So you, yeah. got with, you got Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Chucky, Carrie, and Jigsaw. Pretty solid little list. And then I'm rocking Jason Voorhees, Predator, Annabelle, and Head, and Bruce the Shark from, from Jaws. I think we got a good little diverse little cast here. We do. Yeah. I like I like that lineup. Or sure. Fun little segment. Be sure to let us know what you guys think about that. Yeah, what you thought that, about? Yeah. You have suggestions of what we should draft in the future. You know, don't be shy. Let us know too, because I think that could be a lot of fun. Because you can cover like anything, yeah, movie wise, right? I knew, I knew if I didn't leave with Michael Myers, you were gonna take it, so I had to do it. <laughs> and I, you were actually hundred percent right, because I would have went with him hundred percent. Definitely one of my favorites, yeah, for sure. And he's got that star power. But 
moving on now we got some this is really what i've been looking forward to talking to we got some amazing trailers that dropped over the last week to yes. get into i'll let you meet what do you want to start with because we got doom I mean, has a trailer these are both these are both i mean i guess highly anticipated for both of us but i know that you're like you're in the zone i mean especially for one of them i mean maybe both of them on the same level i don't know <laughs> definitely comparable with dune and oppenheimer i'm like just yeah. as excited for both i'd say maybe i'll give the edge oh, i don't know honestly it's funny because like denny villeneuve and and chris nolan are honestly like cut from the same cloth like i honestly associate them both so much as directors like they're both of the same time like they make i'd say like equal sort of like movies they feel like very much like contemporaries of each other yeah. it's hard to really say who they give the edge to but like i just love both so much of what they do but what do you think of those with those trailers i guess we can start with dune maybe I'm just excited to see a first look from it. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. were, I mean, we had all the kind of descriptions from like CinemaCon. Yeah, can only go so far, and then they released these like really nice key art like posters for it. Right, and I was like, and I was like, it mean the trailer's coming soon, right? That's why I kept thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, then we finally got it. Definitely feels like it's gonna be a bit more like action packed than the last one. I think you're right. And, I also think, like, since it's part two of part one, there'll be a lot less, like, kind of set up and just more, like, let's just get right into things. And that kind of exactly. seems like that seems what the vibe is. It was interesting. I mean, Austin Butler looks unrecognizable in this. Uh, I don't even know how to describe what he looks like. Well, have you seen the comparisons of him and the engineers from Prometheus? Because that, yeah, yeah. that, yeah. that was funny. My mind went to I'm Legend. I thought he looked kind of like the creatures from that, but uh, he looks great badass and intimidating it's funny so have you seen the david lynch dunes yes oh you have seen them oh, <laughs> oh god so it's funny he's playing the character that sting played in, in david lynch's which it's so funny oh, yeah, how it's, different yeah, things yeah, yeah they don't look anything like it's just kind of kind of funny but no i'm honestly he's probably one of the things i'm most excited for from this movie yeah. just seeing how his character looks and apparently he's like an unhinged psychopath i, I think he's the brother of dave batista's character yeah yeah and apparently he's even more like relentless and sadistic so i can't wait to see what he does with that character yeah i agree and then we got you know we, we saw Lawrence Pugh, who's also a new addition to the cast uh in the trailer yeah she's like. in the trailer a lot trailer all you zendaya friends there's more zendaya <laughs> for all you all you guys out there uh kind of ex expanding on the, her relationship with timothy chalamet's character which will be I mean, I kind of like that we're going to see more because like, she was always kind of interesting in the first one and you like you want to know more. And like, we also yes. we also knew we would be getting more of her based on like, even like Zendaya was like right away in interviews, like made it clear that she wasn't in the, that movie much, but there'd be too. more. Yeah, yeah, there'd be more for her to do in the second one. And then also it already looks beautiful. Like it just looks like it's, I mean, I mean we were excited when we we talked about like how they filmed the entirety in, on the IMAX cameras. So uh -huh. like, that's going to look, yeah. yeah so that's going to, it just looks really good. I'm excited. I mean, really, and I'm also, I'm, I'm agreeing. It might be too premature. Maybe I shouldn't hype it up too much. I can potentially see just depending on, this all depends on competition down the road. Right. We could, we could possibly have like a return of the King situation with Doom part two, where like, maybe it gets like, yeah, first one got Oscar love. It was nominated and all that stuff, but maybe it takes home like some big, a ones. big, a big one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just about to say, I think, I mean, it could be a little bit biased because these are projects I'm very much looking forward to, but I don't think I'm alone in saying that I think Oppenheimer and Dune 2 are going to be competing for a lot, especially the technical awards. But I think you're right. Like 
with this being the second one, I see these being front runners for some of the major categories as well. Yeah. In addition to the technical awards, yeah. these movies look like they're going to be competing with each other a lot. It's actually for each director, I wouldn't want to be competing against the other because they're both such titans of the industry right now and probably yeah. will be for the remainder of their careers. I love that we're both made Chris Nolan and Danny Villeneuve movies this year, but I I think you're onto something there. We'll definitely see some more Oscar love for for the second part yeah. of this movie too. I agree. Definitely agree. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, November can't come fast enough. No, <laughs> very much excited for this one. I just, I'm excited to just get a rewatch of the first that one. That would be a good thing. Is I haven't watched it since uh, I came out. Actually, yeah, I, I love it. I've just been it. saving it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm so, excited for it. So yeah, yes, yeah, one to look forward to. And now uh, this other trailer, uh, this is all you. I mean, I mean, I, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it too. But no like, doubt. I, sure. I think every, I think everyone that listens now knows that like this is like your most anticipated movie of the summer probably <laughs> very much so if not the year I mean possibly like, the year yeah it's no surprise like I love me some Chris Nolan always have he's been the guy that got me and no doubt many other people like into movies for the first time and like just the guy's a god in my eyes and Oppenheimer looks like just another home run he's got on his hands I like to see we got a little bit more we got that other trailer earlier in the year, but wasn't a whole too much divulged. So we got a little look at some other characters, which I'm really excited about. Got a good look at Benny Safdie and his role. He got he got yep. a couple speaking parts. Matt, Matt Damon, Damon was really big in that trailer too. And our girl Florence Pugh's in this one as well. Good for her. She's busy. had a massive year. <laughs> yeah, busy yeah. time of her career. She's on top of the world. Um, she's looking good in it. Emily Blunt, we got a, some better looks at as well. And yeah. that isn't even like that's just a drop in the bucket of the, the cast of this movie. There's some huge A-listers we haven't even seen yet. Uh, I did see Jack Quaid in a shot, though. Yeah. I forgot he was even cast in this movie, so that was neat. I kind of forgot um, actually. <laughs> there's not even any individual notes from this trailer that I had to write down. Like there's just so much. Like I just overall I'm like so overwhelmed with how excited I am for it and how great it looks. Like what I can't wait for is the score. It's gonna be epic, epic, yeah. epic, epic. Oh, speaking like, of speaking of scores. When I was watching the dilemma, me and Owen were like flabbergasted because the score. This is a comedy, by the way. Yeah. The score. The score did that? On Zimmer, and I'm like, "Were you bored? Were you bored?" Or <laughs> <laughs> in between, like epic, epic films that he was like, "I'll do the dilemma." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "I was like, what?" He's a busy man. He's lent his talents to many movies, even like video games. Like he's yeah, had his, he's worn a lot of hats and has been on a lot of pro. I just would never ex- expected had that inkling. Like when you said. When you mentioned the score for that movie, I was like, I wonder if Hans did that. I yeah. never would have guessed otherwise if you hadn't have said that, though. But yeah, that guy is a. It's funny he's working with um, Denis Villeneuve, right? With with yeah. Dune too. It sucks that he can't be working with his longtime collaborator Chris Nolan. But I think uh, I think Chris is working with the guy he lasted Tenet with, right? Who yeah, I think so. They did really well together, so I'm I have high hopes for the score there too. Nice, yeah. And you know, visually, this is going to be. I think there's going to be some things to look forward to yeah god sound design i mean i'm just like i'm just like thinking about how yeah. with that you know no mm-hmm. i've been accused of being too hard on tenet because i was like yo i had to crank up the volume to hear the dialogue and then all of a sudden it's just like a loud like usually a sound that goes like that kind of thing yeah and then it drowns out the words yeah yeah, yeah that no doubt that was a frustrating part of that movie definitely yeah but, but I, I and also you know Ilian murphy has worked with nolan a few times but it's cool that he got this opportunity to like to lead a nolan film 
That's right. I, it seems like from what I've read, he's very grateful. He's like, I'll do whatever he wants <laughs> asking, me to do. Yeah. But I'm glad I finally get this opportunity to kind of lead like one of his projects. And that's amazing. 100%. Uh, and honestly, it reminds me of uh, when Samuel Jackson finally got to lead a Tarantino movie. Yeah. Uh, when they, he got Heathlay after collaborating. Yeah. Yeah. With him forever. And uh, yeah. he finally got, I think, top billing for that movie as well. So, yeah, no, Killian's been working with him at least Batman Begins, so 2005. So they've been working together for a long time. Oh, I'm not sure if they did any movies before that, but good for him. That's great. And he looks fantastic. By the way, his, scare, his Scarecrow is very underrated. Like, very like, like, he, like He's, like, so good in that movie. Like, he's, yeah. like, it's the right amount of creepy <laughs> in that totally. movie. I think he's even overshadowed by, like, another villain in that movie in, in uh, Liam Neeson, right? Yeah. But yeah, uh, he I, is fantastic. Yeah, I would, I would watch Batman Begins. I was like, Katie Holmes, like, why are you so... Like, I know you're determined to get your job done, but why can't you read the creepy? Like, why are yeah. you like, I was just like, why can't you pick up on it? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just going anywhere with him. Like, which, like, that scene before he, like, knocks her out with like, fear gas or whatever. Yeah. Like, how she's so willing to, like, go alone with him. I'm like, man, there's something a little off about that guy. Yeah. I know you're determined, but. <laughs> no, he <laughs> does sell the creepy factor. But I think between him and it looks like uh, there's been a lot of praise from people who have seen the movie and had worked on it with for Robert Downey Jr. too for like Oscar contention, which as good as or as amazing rather as Nolan's movies are, they don't seem to normally generate acting award nominations for I mean, I'm sure he's had directed some people the nominations, none that I can think of off the top of my I'm head, trying, but I'm trying to think, yeah, I don't know. I'm, none come to mind, but uh, seems like breaking that spell because a lot of buzz for Killian Murphy and Robert Downey Jr. in particular. So excited to see what they deliver for this movie. Well, Not a lot yeah, of Robert in this trailer, uh, though. But... I guess the one big one he did, Heath Ledger, he gave, got him oh, to. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, told, I, was like, I, was like, I was like writing down his filmography. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Joker, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Good oh, yeah. catch there. I don't know why I went over my head. <laughs> but, I mean, but considering how many great movies he's made, I mean, just having that is, it should be, should be more. Exactly. Like, and yeah. his performances are always fantastic in his movies. So. Yeah, agreed. So yeah, another yeah. big one to look forward to. Don't forget, guys, opening the same weekend as Barbie. So choose wisely. Choose. Yeah, I was gonna say choose carefully. <laughs> I opening. in a perfect world, I'll go right from Oppenheimer to Barbie. Like, if I, I could hop in the boat like that, that'd be really. I will. Great. A full-on movie hop. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll try to make plans with me that day. I'll be yeah. at the theater. Because one of them is much longer than the other. I will say that. <laughs> um, Do we have a runtime for Barbie? I don't even know what to expect. I don't know, but I'm. It's over two hours, then I think that's an issue. But I think it should be like I think right, the hour forty-five, two hours. Right, that'd be that'd be well perfect. Yeah, I'd be yeah. Oh, I'd be just fine with that. Totally. Uh, so yeah. So you're excited then too? Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yes. Could you not be right? This movie. Yeah, looks no, if I would, if I told you no, you'd be like, "Well, I quit." <laughs> exactly. Run it by yourself. Run the show alone, then. <laughs> no, 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 never. But, no, of course, it's very excited for Oppenheimer and. Gotta say, so I did. I did start by saying that three for three on these trailers. I'm very much excited for this next one we have to talk about. And since you sent it to me, I don't think I would have thought to cover it otherwise because I didn't even see it until you pointed it out. But uh, a Gran Turismo to look at as well. That trailer was pretty bumping too. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what to think of because, like, I so I, you know, video games, arcade games, stuff like that. Like some yeah. of them, I like. I do remember Gran Turismo. I didn't really play it a lot. Neither did uh, I. So I did, I wasn't sure what to think when I first watched the trailer. It looks fun, though. It looks I mean, real fun. And also, Eagle Eye, like, oh, who, what friend sent me this? Uh, but it's going to bother me. But they're like, dude, did you see the cast list for Gran Turismo? I was like, 
they're like Jerry Hollowell's in it. I was like, well, who's Jerry? Ho-? I was like, oh, who's that? Is- I don't recognize him. She's Ginger Spice from the Spice Girls. So I was like, why is she? In- oh, what the hell? Why is she? I guess she plays the mom. I'm the main character, and I was like, oh, well, yeah. cool. I, I didn't cool. know that she. I did I not she- notice that. Other than that movie Spice World, I didn't know she had acting aspirations, but so good for her. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, so I was like kind of in the dark about like what this could potentially be, but it looks fun. And I know there, it what seems very promising is uh, is it Neil uh, Blomkamp, Blomkamp who directed like who directed District Nine and That's right. Elysium. You know his career. You know after District Nine has been like yeah he was supposed to give us an alien movie that never came uh, i just brought that up i would have if you hadn't um, i think he could have done really good with that series it's too bad but i think he did that robot movie chappy i think he also yes. did that too which i they, think was kind of mixed yeah, like middle yeah, no, i haven't yeah. seen it i have seen district nine and elysium though and i remember i have fond reviews for district nine i think i need to give elysium another chance i just when i was when i watched that i just didn't really like wasn't really in my like I didn't really care that much like when I went to go see it and I just didn't really have any thoughts about it but I'd like to give it another shot but I think he's a director that has interesting style shows a lot of promise it's been a lot of years since he's done something significant so I'm excited I had no idea what he was saying in his career these days I didn't expect to see his name at the end of the trailer the beginning whenever his name popped up on the screen it's like what the hell this is Neil so that's awesome uh, didn't know anything about this movie I'm not gonna lie i'm totally guilty when i saw that this trailer dropped i was like oh another video game like racing movie i, I honestly wrote it off so that's why i'm kind of like surprised at how much i actually enjoy the trailer yeah uh, and for people that don't know this plot is based on the true story of british racing driver jan martinborough and teenage gran turismo gamer whose skills won a series of nissan competitions to become an actual professional race car driver yeah <laughs> Yeah, when I saw that too, I thought that was a aspect of this film that I think I could actually really get behind in terms of like how much I'll actually enjoy it. Because if, I think they had a, I just went in assuming that this was just going to be like some sort of adaptation of the video game. And right. I said, okay, I don't know where how this is going to go, but when I saw that this is actually, I like, I think it's really cool how they incorporate the game into the story and the that story, it's yeah. in real life. I'm all on board with that. That kind of let me do a 180. So yeah, I can honestly say that I'm excited. I would check this movie out, and I wouldn't have 15 seconds before I saw the trailer. So. <laughs> yeah, it's getting the August 11th release, so it's going to be yeah. during the summer. Also, there are other actual actors in here, not just Ginger Spice. Uh, right. David David Harbour's in this movie, Orlando Bloom, uh, I'm in Hansu, so a few recognizable names are in this movie as well. It looks fun, it's like a little bit of an early 2000s vibe from it. The trailer a little bit. Looks like it could be potentially fun. So yeah, hundred percent. I think the car play looks awesome, and the cars look beautiful. I mean, I'm not much of a car guy per se, but like I can't help like the guy in me that seeing all these you know decked out, souped up cars racing. Like there's something about that that just I'm like is badass as hell looking. So yeah, I'm excited for that for yeah. sure. So yeah, three for yeah, three in the trailers. Yeah, yeah, those are all it's a wicked week for trailers. Yep, yeah, I agree. All right, so here's the surprise one, and I'm doing this for our boy JC Merck, who wants me to have fun with this story, because it is right, kind okay. of it is kind of fun, because it's bring it on. Utterly, I have no it's, idea it's utterly kind of ridiculous, and I can't believe I'm like looking into this. I was like, but here we are. So okay. you know who know who Glenn Powell is? Uh, he's in yes. Top, Top Gun Maverick. And are you familiar with who Sydney Sweeney is? Yes, I am. Of course, from a breakout star from Euphoria. Euphoria. So other than Zend- yeah, yeah, other than Zendaya, she's probably had the biggest career out of Euphoria. Like she has a lot of movies lined up. She's going to be in the Madam Web movie with Dakota Johnson, which is another right. uh, Mark Sony. Yeah, uh, 
So they are in this romantic comedy together called Anyone But You. It's an R-rated romantic comedy. And there's been a lot of there's been a lot of images and pictures and videos of them, not just on set together, but like they're filming they've been filming in Australia. And there's a lot of like, oh, let's go see like the animals together, let's go sightseeing together. A lot of videos of them like just, you know, having a lot of fun, which I thought was completely fine. And then I was like, wait a minute, doesn't he have a girlfriend? And then I looked at him. And he does have a girl. Well, he, hold on. Well, he did have a girlfriend at the time. <sighs> and then I was like, well, if I was a girlfriend, I'd be like, uh, that's a little, seems a little, what, whatever. He's an actor, though. Like, yeah, you, know, you got to bond with your co star. You got sure. to bond with your, you, you got to sell the relationship. You got to sell the relationship. Right. But then I found out that Sydney Sweeney is engaged. She has a fiance. Didn't know this. I didn't know this either. And then I think he's just a regular dude. Lynn Powell's now ex girlfriend is, was a, mo- as a model. Her name's Gigi Paris. Okay. Uh, so there's a lot of there's like videos of like Lynn Powell like dipping Sydney Sweeney on like on a couch all playfully and lovingly and like it's just like all right oh. is this like a long game promotion for this movie that comes out <laughs> in December for December so then they walked the red carpet because they presented the movie at CinemaCon and there's so many pictures in video like it looking like lovingly at each other well, i've seen a shot or two with them on the red carpet and i was like oh, okay i honestly at first because i had knew nothing of their dating lives i thought maybe that they were there together and that they had hit it off but then i came to find out they were filming this movie together but that's really all i knew about the situation so interesting yeah. so like so then like i i didn't say like this on the g-real story but basically <laughs> i was like like a still image of them just looking at each other and yes. i was like I, something along the lines like there's no way these two haven't banged like something's happened <laughs> i remember exactly what you said yes. <laughs> there's a full-on mr and mrs smith situation and for all the kids that don't know what a mr and mrs smith situation is back in the day at pitt was married to a little someone called jennifer anderson star one of the stars of friends you all know who she is and then he goes off and he's like hey i'm gonna do this like action spy comedy with this actress named Angelina Jolie, hmm. who's, kind of, who's like a sex pot. And, you know, we have to really go sell that relationship because we're, you know, we're playing spies and we're married, but then like we both get hired to like kill each other. You know, I'm just assuming that's what the conversation was like in their house. <laughs> but don't worry about it. It's just a movie. Like, you know, it's all pretend. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're an actress, right? Yeah. Like, you're an actress, right? You know, you know how this thing works. Movie stars, right. your TV spot, whatever. For anyone that has seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the big thing you can take away from that movie when you're watching it is their chemistry is through the roof, like, like amazing. Authentic, like, yeah. Authentic. So while they were filming said movie, it became, like, known that, like, something was going on on set between those two. They both they both said that they never got together while they were filming it. They didn't get together until after, like, it was done and he was broken up with her. Lies. I call lies. Massive, <laughs> massive lies. <laughs> Oh, so that is the Mr. and Mrs. Smith situation that we seem to be having with anyone but you here with Glenn Powell and Sydney mm-hmm. Sweeney. So like now apparently she's still with her fiance. There's like there is pictures of them going to like some restaurant and they're pictured together, but like weren't they weren't selling it enough for me. They weren't like holding hands or like being all lovey. They were just together. Could be trouble in paradise, maybe. So, so I was like, if you're trying to make me believe that you guys are still together, I need you holding hands. I need you hugging. I need you looking at him the way that you look at Glenn Powell. That's right. When you're walking, when you're walking in the red carpet, that's what I need to believe that you guys 
are actually together. Because in the midst of all this, Gigi Paris and Glenn Powell broke up. She posted like some Twitter thing that basically said like, knowing your worth and like on to the next one. And oh, a little shady uh, action, right? Um, now, some of her friends say that they have been breaking up off and on for like a while. And timing of all this is just, you know, weird timing. Just, you know, promoting this movie with Sydney Sweeney and then everyone assuming that like Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney are actually together. Uh, when I was talking about this with Merck, because he actually will send me like almost any update on this story because it's like because it's funny to him he's like man y'all you can't tell me that something's not going on with these two like like look how she looks at him and look how he looks at her <laughs> and uh, my train of thought because like actually brought this up on another show is it could be for promoting the movie like but it seems very early <laughs> to that's right. why i said this is a, that's why i said this is a very long game <laughs> promotion for a movie that comes out in right. december it comes oh. out in december so like i was like all right maybe like when you sell it closer to when the movie comes out like generates uh, hype yeah and i know this is a silly silly story jackson but i need to know like what do you think do you think that they are canoodling hmm. have been canoodling? <laughs> well i mean from the outside looking in i gotta say i mean obviously i don't know these people my opinion nothing in the grand scheme of things but my perspective like seeing just that couple shots that i saw them on the red carpet it was enough for me who didn't know anything about their personal lives to think, oh, well, these people are together. Like it, I agree with you. Their chemistry looks, looks like there's something brewing behind the scenes there. Cause uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like I never would have thought these people end up together. Uh, I could see it. If that, if that comes to light that they are, you know, hooking up or they end up getting together, I can't say I'll be surprised as far. I don't know if I have an opinion as to whether they are or not. Uh, hey, one thing though, I would yeah. not want to be Sydney Sweeney's fiance, especially as a not, you know, industry. I feel sorry for him the most. Who has to like, like exactly get, get online? They're like, yo, they think it's you're like, banging your co-star. Or are you banging your co-star? <laughs> like, I, this is always. And this is. I was a kid. I've always like grappled with this idea of being married to a film star and how I would handle them, like having like intimate scenes with like a co-star on the scene, and like if that was something I could get around in a relationship. Absolutely not. That is not something I would ever want to deal with. So I feel for whoever's on the other side of this. And like, I think you're really brave to be in Hollywood, especially yeah. other stars that are, you know, going to be on this movie, hooking up with this person and married to another person in another movie. And all the intimacy that comes in between that, that is no way I'm not built for that sort of relationship. So I feel, I feel for Sydney's uh, fiance. That sucks. But uh, you know what? Definitely an interesting story. I never thought we'd be chatting about that. No, no. There was a story behind those shots. So that yeah, is I, prom I promised Burke that I would do it. I was actually going to do it last week. No, I'm glad I, you did. I forgot to throw it in there. And I just I just pulled up another version of this story. And it just, okay. it, it reads how like silly this is. Right. So it's like, per their offset hangouts, and not to mention family outings, Sydney and Glenn appear to be extremely close for two coworkers. Oh, and when the internet caught wind of their video trust fall, it sent Twitter ablaze. <laughs> fans, oh, went, fans went wild with speculation that the White Lotus actress and set it up actor wore more than co-stars. Uh, fiance is a restaurateur. His name is Jonathan Davino. I didn't mention him. I, he deserves his name to be mentioned in this, totally. uh, in this nonsense. Uh, you know, that some, they are apparently just close friends, according to them. Real close. <laughs> we'll say that Gigi Paris uh, and, this, and all the kids out there who listen will understand this next move is the ultimate form of, I don't want to be associated with you. Gigi Paris oh. did 
She unfollowed Sweeney Sweeney on Instagram. Boom. (laughs) That is is a big one. (laughs) Oh, and body language expert Karen Donaldson suspects these these co-stars may be more than just friends based on their eye contact, gestures, and more. And she explains that... uh, what our body language uh, feels doesn't feel like it's a friend zone. So like, oh my God, you position yourself like one and a half to four feet apart when you're in the when you're in the friend zone. Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, they're really looking into this. Your intimate space are about 18 inches away from your body is often reserved for romantic partners, very close friends and family. And they are saying that this is definitely not a friend zone relationship right. i'm so glad i found that so i can read it sorry <laughs> oh that is awesome that definitely adds a lot of insight into what could be going on one thing like as fun as it is to discuss this stuff like obviously if this is sure that this controversy like is a direct factor in glenn powell's relationship any i just hope that like for the sake of like if there is a healthy relationship involved that this sort of thing doesn't isn't what ends it because that would just that would be really unfortunate but like i said you got to be you got to know what you're getting into when you uh, in this sort of game, especially being a non-industry person, uh, being somebody as popular, beautiful, attractive, and um, just well-known right now, like Sydney Sweeney is on the rise, like obviously attracting a lot of attention, which is great for her. It's awesome that she's successful, um, but you know, that comes yep. with uh, this sort of thing. So hopefully, you know, that doesn't uh, screw up her relationship, but uh, interesting interesting story to say the least, because uh, definitely right. I agree there's something going on there. Like, okay. like, anyway. I want to read one more paragraph because it's (laughs) (laughs) sure. Uh, Donaldson also says, talking about the picture that you were referring to, the the looks. (laughs) Donaldson says she's fully facing him and looking directly into his eyes as he's speaking, as if she's all consumed with what he's saying. (laughs) And with him, if you pair the level of physical closeness with the way Sydney is looking at Glenn, it looks as though they may have had more than friend-like feelings toward each other. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. One thing you can count on Hollywood is that it's rife with speculation. So, yeah. Thank you, body no language exception. expert Karen Donaldson, for yes. filling us thank in you on for your like, work. Well, now I know exactly how far apart friend zone is. I didn't even know that. There you go. Come <laughs> out of this learning something. Yeah. And, oh, uh, I, hey, oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say we can please stick to this story and see what ends up happening. But uh, yeah, for sure. But on the on the business side of this, like on the movie side of it, just to kind of bring it back to what we normally talk about. Yeah. Uh, Romantic comedies, theatrically, actually R-rated ones, have been a tough sell. They they don't really in theaters at least lately. They don't they not they're not what they used to be. So if this is a studio thing, if it's Sony being like, hey, like let's play up this kind of like flirtatious thing throughout the whole press tour, and maybe that'll get butts in the seats by December. Yeah. I can see them kind of doing that. Like, yeah, uh, but if it. I mean, we're all speculating, but if it affects your personal relationships, uh, is it yeah, really worth that's it? that's <laughs> where you have to draw the line, definitely. I think the juice is worth the squeeze there. Yeah. Never, like, I get, obviously, there's people that, like, analyze this stuff for a living, and especially studio heads that that have marketing strategies for a reason. But me, as a consumer of this stuff, have never been a person to, like, buy into the pre-marketing or the, this sort of stuff marketing, like, but getting your co-stars to, like, you know, look all lovey-dovey. In anticipation yeah, yeah. of the movie, that's never been something for me as a viewer that has like convinced me to a go see something or buy into the authenticity of their relationship. It's not something that I th- I always thought it was just an interesting tactic, especially with people that have marriages, significant or, others, significant others. Yeah, so interesting play for sure. 
It can also be that Jonathan DeVito, her fiance, might be very confident and not care. You know, he that knows could he be has too. he know he knows he has Sydney Sweeney. But on the other hand, I was him and I'm just speaking as myself. Yes. I'd be frustrated if I had to deal with this all the way through December. <laughs> like everyone everyone being like, Are you guys together? Like what's going on? Make right. your co star. What's happening? That's <laughs> right. And you know that social media and even just news media, like having to see all this stuff and, and for months and you're associated with it, that would not be fun, not be shoes I'd want to be in either. So hey, I, can you, you imagine know. if this comes out and it flops? <laughs> They're all that like yeah. free flirtatious buzz to trying to generate all that. that and would, it just doesn't do well. Yeah. Uh, that'd be unfortunate. You know but you know what? If it works in the same way that so a lot of the reason Mr. and Mrs. Smith was such a hit was because it was like, oh, it's that movie that they met on. I think he right. might have cheated on his wife <laughs> while they were making it. How good is that chemistry? A lot of it was that. And now this wasn't Brad Pitt and Angelina going out a lot and like kind of like playing for the cameras the way this is. I mean, they did get some shots of them, but it wasn't like this. Uh, so a lot of that buzz was generated just from like, you're just reading stories. Like this is how they met on set. Something happened on set, did it not? That was a lot of the set opening weekend was a lot of the reason that movie hit. Okay. It, it, it happened to be a fun, like, you know, action comedy and they are both very right. good in it, in it as well. Uh, you, you haven't seen it like the things that like, you'll notice right away is that they instantly have like killer chemistry. They like, they are like, yeah, yeah. I actually have not seen it. I've seen like bits on TV and I'm very familiar with it, but I've never actually watched. Yeah. That's the, the selling, it's the selling point. The selling point is For like sure. how well they work together in it. Okay. Uh, well, maybe, you know, there might be a curiosity thing here for uh, anyone, but you come December. But if I was Jonathan DeVito and it flopped, I'd be like, yo, you put me through all this. <laughs> just for, just for that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. There you go, Thanks, Merck. Merck for, Thank yeah. Merck. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that story. That was that was a good one. We covered it like a couple of gossip little ninnies just for you. <laughs> hey, amidst this writing strike, we might have to kind of turn turn to these sort of stories and make up the Scrounging TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, who got a DUI today? Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, I'm glad we did it because that was kind of fun. No, I was, that was good. Because I was I'm like, glad you saved that one. Because I, I was, was really... discovering it as I was reading more about it. I was like, oh, they, they talked to a relationship uh, body language expert. Cool. <laughs> They're really on board with that story. But uh, oh, that yeah. was that was fun because I really was in the dark on that. So that was that's fun to to, to not be in the know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, right. That bring us to box office. Or do you have? Uh, yeah, that's what I was about to segue to. Because speaking of not being in the know, I haven't really heard. At- figures for how guardians 3 did this opening weekend so i know that you have that prepared well so we have us with uh, how do we do with our predictions well we were off uh, you're closer to me because i said both of us eh? yeah. okay. we, we were both off yes uh, i said 135 i'm gonna ask you what you think of this after i give you all the numbers to see if we have i feel like we have a good news bad news situation here okay so i said i said 150 didn't get close to that Domestic opening was $118 million. Okay, so wow. Below the 147 of the second movie, but above the 94 some odd million dollars that the first one opened to. Um, I The global opening is $282 million so far, which is a good... Jesus. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, so, I mean, can't yeah. be mad at that. I was expecting bigger, especially given the good reviews. It also got an A, right. I think an a cinema score. So people that saw mm-hmm. it did love it. 
it depends on who you read or where you're looking down on social media. Yeah. On the one hand, a movie op- opening north of $100 million, it should be considered like a good thing. This opening isn't too far off from like the all day weekend opening of Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I would argue that this is a bigger property than Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, that's an interesting so, comparison for sure. This is the first time during a Marvel opening where I think maybe we are seeing a little bit of the Marvel fatigue. Really? And, uh, and you know, or, I mean, you were, I mean, even your prediction was bigger. It was lower yeah, than the second that's... movie, but it was still bigger than like, I mean, I think in the end, like the movie's going to do well, but um, no doubt. I think someone wrote uh, opening like this to kick off the summer movie season isn't big, like start. Basically, it wasn't something to write roar about. You know? Right. Uh, but, a lot of money in it is, but compared to what they were anticipating and what trends have been, it's definitely on the you know more disappointing side. Yeah. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the opening? Are you feeling that as Marvel fit- is it superhero fatigue? Is it Marvel fatigue? Like, no. I mean, I think those things go hand in hand. Like Marvel and superheroes are kind of synonymous. I guess they're not the only, they don't have the monopoly on superhero movies, but it seems like they're the most present at any given time. I think, I definitely think that it is catching up. It's reaching, not a, I don't know if it's at its boiling point yet, because it's still obviously doing great financially. I absolutely unequivocally agree that this is a symptom of the fatigue. I think the fatigue has been present in a lot of other aspects, maybe before the box office. Mind me getting the budget of this movie. Oh, let me look it up because I'm pretty okay. sure it's. I should pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's hefty. Yeah, like north uh, of 100 million. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's. Yeah, and then that doesn't even include like uh, marketing costs. Yeah. Uh, 250 million dollars. This movie was 250 million dollars to make. Man. And he said that, that doesn't include marketing spend and all that. Holy stuff. shit! I don't like. Obviously, I'm the last person to criticize finances behind a movie but like where is all this money going into i don't know and like this is not the first hefty pricey marvel movie but i def that's that's crazy to me i never would have guessed it was anywhere near that well it, um, it is x heavy i mean i guess I mean, yeah money. yeah it's a lot of money yeah. it is but i mean you've yeah i don't know i'd be curious to see how where it's going but definitely not uh, where i'm sure i'm sure marvel execs are, are just sweating even more than they have been since ant-man and even before that like it's starting the, the fatigue is definitely starting to rear its head. But then again, I'm sure there's any number of other factors that you that wouldn't really consider other variables that maybe have kept people from the feeders. Uh, that being said, this is you mentioned in the beginning of the episode, Guardians is a huge property for Marvel, even as a standalone series, even like property like in the Marvel universe that I kind of enjoy more than the other ones. Yeah. Interesting to see that it didn't, you know, blow blow the doors open when it came out, but we still have another, we'll see how it does on the second weekend. Yeah, it has no competition this weekend, so I mean, there, it, so yeah, so it's it'll be interesting how what the drop will be. I mean, I mean, I don't even know. That's that'll uh, be. I think the more telling factor is that what the reception of this movie is going to be. I uh, gotta say though, definitely surprised that it came in lower than my prediction. I thought I was going to be lowballing it and they meet somewhere in the middle. Did not. I would not have expected that it went like that much lower than like so seventeen million dollars lower than what I'd guessed. Yeah, I mean, that is, like, someone just pointed out, you look at the, the number, like, really just look at the number between the second movie and this one, uh, putting the just under 30 million less than Guardians 2, that has to show that there's some level of maybe the rush factor for these movies might be dipping a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
and you know, like maybe there's time there needs to be this is the time to create more space between them yeah i mean because now i mean it's not it's not even just the movies now you got tv shows and so many things you have to keep up with in order to like be on top of the mcu right uh, i mean we talked about the simpler time it was just rewatching iron man and like it's just like oh like this was the start of this and there wasn't so much universe building even in that you know like essentially so. this stuff catches up to you and and the viewer and you got to juggle is it worth going to see this movie when i haven't seen the last two or three entries am i even going to really be up to date on this one like that going to weigh into some people going to see it but didn't think it would have been this much but interesting trend to say the least i am surprised at those numbers i can't lie even though i expected lower i didn't expect it quite that low yeah i mean i think there i think there's some room for concern a little bit I think it'd be foolish not to be at least a little concerned, especially this, this should have been there. This should have been their surefire winner. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, definitely. Like, like, like if I'm the Marvels, I'm worried. Oh, <laughs> I'm worried long before this. Now I'm fucking panicking. Because because <laughs> if if this movie with good reviews and a likable cast that just about everyone likes, I know Chris Pratt sometimes is on the, you know, depends on who you talk to. Right. But like if that opens less than its predecessor, and that's a great point you like get the, this property you get the marbles and there's a whole lot that people don't like with that i'm i wonder yeah interesting forecast to say the least uh, gonna be an interesting year for for Mario, at least for the mcu uh, i gotta say though like i think at least they're getting a little bit ahead of this and they've already uh, acknowledged they're changing their game up a little bit going forward gonna be hammering out less content focusing more on the quality of it I think that's a little bit late, but at least they're making that that change to the to the universe. So that obviously hasn't caught up yet that these movies have all still been developed since they've kind of announced this change in their strategy. Uh, if, at least it's a step in the right direction because they're not going to be able to afford these misses for too long. Like I think I'm not, I don't know the figures. Maybe I'll look this up in anticipation for the next Marvel release, but I know they lost some money in phase four, definitely with more films than others, but they can't be... Uh, can't you know can't be draining too much money for too long i know some have probably made up for that yeah but I, I don't because i don't think ant-man and the wasp quantumania turned a profit and if it did it was very little I, it costs a lot of money to make too which is and, why i'm so surprised that this movie's so hefty like why is it 250 million dollars scaling back a little bit but you know i guess you got james gunn you got like a pretty you got all the like, factors that should work likable yeah. ensemble cast like we talked about it the last time when we brought the movie up i think this franchise or at least it seemed like you know even people that don't even love the mcu seem to like the guardians right. movies yep. and the reception to the movie has been pretty positive like people that seen i mean i think it has like a 93 percent audience score i think what's happening here is that maybe this didn't win over people who were casually interested and then maybe there's some people who have kind of taken a pause on these movies for a bit and it there wasn't a rush factor to go see it opening weekend i think you're uh, right on that I think, you know, I was also told like, like the, the post-credit and credit scenes, I think there's two or three of them don't really, I mean, this is a pretty self-contained movie that is, right. like, you know, it, cause it's finalizing like this franchise. There's not, I, I was told that James Gunn had a lot of like a carte blanche basically to like, you know, make this more about the movie itself rather than what this sets up in the future. Cause they, right. they wanted to have like a finality to it. There's that, you know, that's it's good, but I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy thing because I really yeah I'm surprised when I saw the numbers I was like oh wow that's you know that's I mean it's weird, to call, great. It's weird to say an 118 million dollar opening it's like questionable like any other movie if this was any other movie we'd be like that is huge uh, that's right but it's but, not any other movie it's the MCU yeah I think uh, that's cause for concern 
think so. The good news for Chris Pratt is that he has the number one movie and number two movie in America. Uh, Super Mario Brothers finally dropped to second place in his fifth week after spending four weeks at number one. Damn. Made, eight, made $18.5 million this weekend. It's biggest drop so far since opening 54.6%, but I think some of the families went off to go see Guardians of the Galaxy, so that's probably why there was a bigger drop-off. But no one's crying over there at Universal because the movie has made $518 million domestically to date and $1.1 billion worldwide. Uh, Welcome to the Billion Dollar Club, Super Mario Brothers. That's a fantastic company to be in. Yep. Uh, Or good news for Evil Dead Rise. Even though it did drop 51.5% this weekend, it grossed $5.8 million over the weekend, bringing its domestic total to $54.2 million. So domestically, it has passed The Last Evil Dead from 2013. And we officially have the first Evil Dead film to gross over $100 million worldwide. This has grossed $115.2 million globally. So we're definitely getting another one. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's close to where you said it would end up, is it not? I think you said it would smash that $100 million and end up somewhere in that ballpark. So congrats to you. You know how... uh, Brothers is celebrating and making so much money in theaters is already kneecapping its box office potential by releasing it on digital tomorrow. So, I mean, you can watch it at home very uh, soon. I, this I, is wait, I, Evil Dead? Yeah, Evil Dead Rise. Oh, I mean, just, wow. I, we just saw this movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's not much been, of a theatrical it, run. It's been out three weeks. It's. I mean, I would. I don't know why you wouldn't just let it run as long as it could to make as much money as... I mean, yeah, hey, hey, yo, you have $150 million globally. It, it's already, upset passed, about. it's already passed its budget, like then some. So I mean, but it just seems weird to like live it out three. It's like been out three weeks. It's funny not being a studio exec and like not having any insight in the decisions they make because this is something that me and my buddy Cam are always going going on about when we hear these what we call stupid decisions from as an outsider. But gotta give your head a shake as to why why they wouldn't let that go further. And this is just a drop in the bucket of the examples of weird decisions studios seem to make with their movies, but. It's it's interesting being an, an outsider and not knowing what goes into these decisions because it just seems so straightforward to us that why would you not just let this go another couple of weeks and rake in all the box office dollars you can? Why cater to streaming so much? It's just, I don't know that we'll know the answer, but it's clearly got to be a little bit harder to make these decisions than it seems. Yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> it's like, when I saw that, I actually saw that on Twitter. They were like, Evil Dead Rise, like, owned it on digital tomorrow. I was like, it's only been out three weeks in theater. Three weeks. Let it, I mean. Insane. Scream came out on digital last week, and I felt like that was enough time. I mean, it was like oh, a, big time. They, they wait, they waited a bit to like release it to Paramount Plus. Uh, I agree. You know, it made its money, and then you know it kindly said goodbye, and then like we're like now you can watch this at home. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that seems weird. But, you know, like remember when you were younger, you had to wait months to get like a movie to come out for you to have it at home. That's like, right. Now, now it could be like three weeks, and like you know, like just watch this in the movie theater in a packed movie theater, and. Now, like, yeah, I mean, granted, I would love to have it to watch at home. That's cool. That's but, right. I mean, me, I'm going to wait for that physical copy anyway. That's how I roll. So yeah. it'll still be a while ways before I get that. I mean, you know, we're not getting the physical copy of this until July, by the way. So I don't know why we can't just like. That's a, that's a totally appropriate amount of time. Yeah. If you ask me. But uh, I agree. Like by the top, by that time, we still wouldn't even really feel like due for the rewatch until maybe a little bit later. So, oh, but, I mean, you know. Whatever they yeah. they decide what they decide, and we're just here to watch. Yeah, you know, Warner <laughs> Brothers is full full of wonky decisions, so yeah, whatever. Yes, they are, <laughs> and I'm sure they will continue to be. 
you guys do you as far as box office predictions guys there's nothing opening we we didn't feel like we had the demo to predict book club the next chapter (laughs) (laughs) i would even know how to go about predicting it anyway a little light week releases Uh, low-key curious to see how much that first one made though I'm looking it out, yeah. Because I, I just want to know why we have a sequel to it, and maybe I can figure out. It must, yeah, must have all right for itself. All right, all right, it did. All right, I can see it. It opened okay. to 13, 13.5 million dollars in 2018, legged it out to 68.5 million dollars domestic, and it made 104.4 million worldwide. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, that's fair. We got a sequel. I, I was, right. I'm happy. I'm happy to explain why you got a sequel. I'm just not interested enough to predict what cover, it's going to make. This, yeah, predict what it's going to make this week. <laughs> but the following week, we'll have a big release to cover and predict its box office performance when Fast Ten drops May the nineteenth, if I'm correct. Yes, it is. Uh, that's a good little setup to tell you what we're going to be doing next week. Uh, we will totally. be predicting the opening box office for that. Uh, my guy Ty, who's been trying to get on the show for a bit now is going to be a guest on that episode so he'll probably play some predictions with us awesome. and uh, we're gonna look back at uh the avengers of the car world yeah. franchise That's franchise, right. franchise franchise that is the fast and furious franchise i uh, thought it'd be fun to have like a little special episode to talk about its humble beginnings about a ragtag group of people that were stealing dvd players that's right in their world- civics <laughs> world-class superheroes over the span of now 10 movies oh uh, it'll be a fun kind of look back at you know how we started there and how we got to where we're at i think it'll be a great episode covering the the trajectory of that franchise so yeah so yeah. look forward to that that'll be a yeah. fun talk something to look forward to uh, I, you know, i'm actually you know even though the writer strike stuff sucks i'm glad that they kind of didn't have like a ton of like key news to talk about so we got to I, play around with this one a bit yeah me too yeah so uh if that continues, we will continue to uh, think of stuff to kind of throw in the mix here. Uh, news is light. Uh, and that, if that includes our investigative reporting on Glenn Powell and Sydney Switch. <laughs> I'm all on board with it. It's nice. It's a, it's a good little break from delivering the breaking stuff, which is always fun, of course. But uh, no, the speculative journalism is always a cool yeah. thing to try out, too. So I had fun. Yeah. It was a good episode. Yeah, yeah sometimes and, we got to pivot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think... Uh, that's all we have for you guys today. It, yeah, was, uh, it is it's still an eventful week. Hey, we still get right around the same length episode, just talking about some other stuff. And I had a blast, honestly. Nice. Yeah. Yes. I enjoyed this one too. It was fun. Well, uh, thanks as always, Gaius, for uh, running through this movie content with me. Had a blast. And thank you guys if you're still listening to this episode for making it through to episode 95 of Back to the Blockbuster. You guys know the drill by now, where to find us anywhere on social media at Back to the Blockbuster, wherever you guys get your podcasts, uh, same name, especially if you guys happen to be fans of Good Pods, check us out over there. Uh, been a great time talking news with you, my man, and uh, we check in next week when we break down the Fast and the Furious franchise. And looking forward to that, my friend. Yep, it'll be a good one. It's weird not doing two episodes with yes. you today. I have to say that. I have to say yeah, that. I know. This is it. It I'm is. Not, I'm, I'm not used Got to use our long Mondays together. <laughs> That's right. Me too. But hey, no doubt we'll have some more of those to get through here soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks for listening again, guys. Peace.